Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, January the 29th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And once again, like yesterday, I'm happy to be back doing podcasts again because Cindy, as much as I loved, and I have to underline, loved our Florida vacation, I really miss doing podcasts, which is <laughs> great. I mean, you'd think you'd go away, and, you know, that's what it's all about, and it was, but every night I think to myself, geez, I didn't get to do a podcast today. Aw. <laughs> well, welcome back. Thank you. Yes. Welcome back. I'm very glad to be back. Glad to be doing the show again with you and getting back to Neville, which uh, we, we're, we're almost done with that particular book, Seed Time and Harvest, aren't we? I mean, we're, we, we're getting there. We're... We're on the seventh chapter, so there's about two and a half chapters left. Oh, okay. All right. You know us. Who knows when we'll be finished? But... Oh, it could be March for all we know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's yeah, fine. But it's good. It's good. And uh, and and I missed the podcast as well. However, I want to say I enjoyed uh, hearing about your vacation. Oh. And, uh, it... <laughs> it was. I'm gonna say I was. I was a tad bit jealous uh of the harry potter trip because that's on my wish list i really want to go uh, so but i it's really well enjoyed, it. i enjoyed I, I mean, seeing all the pictures and hearing what you were talking about so we got so much feedback on those harry potter posts i'm telling you <laughs> a lot of people are envious that they haven't gone yet and i gotta say it's really worth it i mean it's it's pricey um we aren't ride doers if you, if you do the rides it makes the pricing easier to go down but even without oh man they just it, it's like walking onto a movie set it, that's how great it is. It's yeah. really, really well done. And all the little shops, I mean, they're, obviously they have to have some shops, particularly in Diagon Alley, that aren't in the movies because there just wouldn't be enough shops otherwise, you know. Right. But the shops are great. They're really great. I mean, every single one of them is just done up to a T. Hogsmeade, you feel like you walked into a winter scene. You're in the middle of warm Florida temperatures and you feel like it's winter because there's all the snow on the, on the roofs <laughs> and you got icicles hanging down and so forth. You, you almost shiver walking in, but it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, that's so much fun. Well, One of I'm the best parts that. is you also get to ride the Hogwarts Express between the two lands because they're two different sections of Universal's uh, Florida vacation. And it's like a 10, 12 minute ride between the two sections. And when you're riding on the train, the train windows become video screens and you get to watch a movie of stuff that's Harry Potter related while you're taking the trip. I mean, it's oh, so cool. cool. <laughs> so you have like, George and Fred Weasley flying by on their broomsticks and they throw up a, a dragon firework that breaks up into Weasley's wizard wheezes in uh, Diagon Alley. Be sure to drop by, you know, things like that. <laughs> Very cool. That's so cool. Yeah, Yay. Harry and Hermione outside the uh, the door to your compartment <laughs> arguing about whether they should get something from the trolley, and then a, a Dementor <laughs> shows up. I mean, it's great. It's just wonderful. <laughs> That's so much fun. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. You know, it was wonderful. Mm. It's it's often the case too when you go away on a vacation that some that other areas in your life things shift and change and. That's always fun, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of those things that you've been using the Neville methods on to manifest don't start manifesting because you shifted everything and shook everything up. It's kind of like a snow globe, right? <laughs> well, actually, they've already started to. Uh, I mean, people who are members of the Law of Attraction Pivot Pals group that we started on Facebook will know that I posted a video there. That's, I call it my vision video, and it includes three scenes. First scene is about increasing listenership to the podcast. The second one is about our dream home. And the third one is about a dream trip to Hawaii. Uh, and the trip to Florida was like, you know, it's not quite a trip to Hawaii, but it's like a step in that direction. So right. I feel like it's actually started to manifest anyway. And it, it's cool. I, and I, by the way, I was playing my video every day during the vacation because I didn't want to lose what I had built up already. Nice. Oh, mind. that's really good because that's something that sometimes does trip people up about a vacation mm -hmm. is if they have any kind of, you know, meditative practice or whatever, it kind of goes by the wayside because we get out of our normal routine and it's exactly. part of our routine. And so good for you. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you, it also is easier to do the routine when you're smiling every single day. <laughs> I mean, literally from the moment we got to the universal studios to do the Harry Potter to the end of Harry Potter, which for us was about a two and two and a half hour period. I literally smiled the entire time. 
my face was hurting. I was smiling. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Not to mention our other visits because we went to uh, Disney Springs with my brother and sister-in-law and had a nice meal at the, they call it the, um, the rainforest cafe where while you're being served dinner, you're, you're surrounded by all these rainforest themes and they actually have a right. rainforest thunderstorm in the middle of it. it yeah. Uh, there was this family from France. A little girl was terrified by the fun thunderstorm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh. were, they were great kids. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was that. Uh, we went to a chocolate museum. Believe it or not, Orlando has a chocolate museum. I saw the pictures. I was like, wow. They were like replicas of famous buildings. Yeah. And they were all and, made of chocolate. And really well done. Cool. I mean, yeah. I don't know if the photos did them justice, but, I mean, you looked at them on display and you they just blew your mind with the amount of detail that the chocolate maker went into and it's one person one How person big were they um i would say the average display was about three to four feet high okay i you know i wondered that when i saw the pictures because there i, I didn't have a sense of scale so they're no much scale. bigger than i thought they were so they yeah, are wow. i mean you wow. could tell these were baking projects that took a long time to do <laughs> and probably weighed, you know, a few hundred pounds because there was so much chocolate there <laughs> and the chocolate. I, I have to also do a, a little bit of a promo on their part because their chocolate is delicious, really well done chocolate. We had um, hot chocolate before we took the tour in, into their museum section because it's it's a restaurant. Well, it's a cafe. It's, it's a cafe that has a little museum and, and tour in the back and they give you a whole history on the history of chocolate. Uh, but we had some hot chocolate beforehand. I had a dark chocolate hot chocolate and it was smooth it was delicious i mean it and, and of course with, with real whipped cream i mean i could easily go back there four or five times and, and probably put on about 10 pounds so i'm right. glad i didn't do that but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be one of those things we say every day of our vacation we went to this chocolate place, <laughs> yeah, right. Right? especially with it being cold right it was colder it was the weather was colder than you thought it was going to be so it's like so a lots of excuses absolutely oh and you take advantage of it too when you're on vacation right <laughs> hot chocolate with whipped cream is a vibe lifter so there's it is. All, the only reason you need right there is that it's a vibe lifter so excellent. Well, plus chocolate's oh. healthy. I mean, you take the sugar away. Chocolate, chocolate itself is actually very healthy. So, you know, you kind of, you, you know, go. change it around in your mind, right? It's practically a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> or a legume anyway. But right. <laughs> so, so uh, do we have any announcements before we dive in? I'm kind of excited to get, to get this chapter, uh, discussed because I think it's going to open up some really interesting ideas. I think so. I want to make sure we cover announcements first because you've been away a while. So. We do, and actually the announcements are pretty much what they used to be, but with a little extra added emphasis. Um, the first one being, I mentioned earlier, the Law of Attraction Pivot Pals, and particularly those of you who have already posted your vignettes there, make sure you keep revisiting them just the way I was revisiting mine, um, because that does make a huge difference, right, Cindy? I mean, if you're not doing the work, yes. you can't really expect the results, right? Right. And the fact is that those people who have been doing are demonstrating, I want to change my life. I want to make big changes. I want to make important changes. So I also want to give kudos to those people because, hey, well done. You're doing it. And for those of you who've been lurking, well, now might be a good time to go in and post something. And if you haven't signed up for the group, just go do a search on Facebook for Law of Attraction Pivot Pals, and we'll be glad to let you in. Just cite the fact that you're a listener. That gets you in. That's that's your magic key to get into the into the group. Oh, is there a question? It says, what is the magic key? And they have to put, I am a listener. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say what, it, I should change it to that. It doesn't actually say what is the magic key, but it's <laughs> something something like what, you know, what, what's your interest level on this or something. So I like that one. I'll change that to the magic key question. That's a good one. <laughs> and of course, we also want to encourage our listeners to become subscribers if they're not yet subscribers. Most people are these days. I'm, I'm finding that more and more people are as they check us out, they're just subscribing automatically. So that's really great. But just in case you haven't become a subscriber, make sure you just go to the homepage of our website. If you don't know how to do it already, that is. Just go to LOAToday.net, and at the top of the page, you'll find instructions on how to do it. Many people, it's one click. Some people, it's two clicks, depending on what your particular device is and what software you've got installed. But it's really easy. It happens in about 30 seconds. And then all of our shows come streaming right to your device every single time we publish, which is great. Uh, and we know it's great because we have, we, we are now, I don't know if I told you this, we are now officially over 500 listeners on average per episode. We've been kind of pushing that limit for a while. Well, I checked it out on vacation. I think I calculated it to an average of 508. So we're officially over 500. Uh -huh. Very and good. 
We're also, of course, encouraging people to subscribe on YouTube because that we actually count YouTube in the overall subscriber count. It's a much smaller number, but still it counts. And, uh, you know, you can watch us because uh, uh, sometimes it's fun to actually watch our expressions while we're doing this. I mean, podcasting are, mm-hmm. is great because you get to, you know, listen while you're doing things. You don't have to sit down in front of a, a video screen or a TV right. to watch us. But uh, it also is fun to look on YouTube. So, you know, check us out on YouTube. Just do a search for LOA Today Podcast Videos and subscribe. Click the little bell so you get notified every time that uh, we are live. And you can you can actually join us because we do the shows Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. New York time. So if that's a time slot that's available to you, you can actually tune in and join us on the live stream. Um, apologies to those who are on the live stream. Unfortunately, my second computer is not working properly. And I got a third backup that I haven't set up yet. So I'll get that ironed out in the next two days. So I can't interact with you guys um, today. And I couldn't interact yesterday. But don't let that deter you. Just, you know, become a subscriber anyway, because it's, it's fun. Talk to watch amongst yourselves. Things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some notes about what we could do better. You know, send us a note. We like notes. <laughs> so I notice in the comment threads from different live things that we've done, they're having a great discussion <laughs> that oh, I no usually know nothing about because I don't have that other monitor. And then so sometimes you'll fill me in later. Oh, there was this conversation going on. I was like, awesome. Yep. Yep. So, you know, if that's happening, perfect. Perfect. And it, it is great, too, because our listeners, we have a very well-educated listenership, particularly about law of attraction, about conscious creation. I and mean, people who listen are really, really knowledgeable. And it shows up in the comments. You see it. You can just tell how yeah. well they know it just from what they're saying. So if you're looking to learn more about law of attraction or just you know trying to expand your own understanding, just listening to us in combination with watching the live stream, can be tremendously powerful because the live streamers have so much good things to say. So true. So, so true. Well, happy I Neville day. <laughs> happy Neville day. Yeah. Instead of happy hump day, right? Wednesday, happy Neville day. I like that so much better. So we left off last time. It wasn't last week. Cause last no, week, it wasn't. Walt was zooming around in Harry Potter world. <laughs> so we left off sort of in the middle of a chapter. And I don't, I don't want to go back too far and, and like backtrack, but we were, Neville was explaining, um, constructing a, a representation that was of, of what you want, what you would be seeing and hearing and doing and being if you were having what you wanted. And mm-hmm. it's very much what we're talking about in the law of attraction pivot pals. That's what's going on over there is exactly. people are constructing a little vision of what they want. And, so I'm going to start at the point, it may be a, a paragraph or so repeating, but where Neville says how this imagined state is realized physically is not the concern of you, the natural or outer man. And again, we're, we're reading Neville Goddard's Seed Time and Harvest, and we're in chapter seven. Um, but that, that idea always strikes me because I think that's one of the ones that trips us up so much is that we we concern ourselves with how it's going to happen, whatever it is. Including when we decide we're not going to decide how it happens, and yet we find ourselves doing it anyway. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm determined I'm not going to worry about how, and then I spend 10 minutes on it. <laughs> but it makes sense because that's mostly how we do create in the physical realm, right? It's like right. If, I want to, if I want to make a, a meal – I immediately begin thinking of how that's going to come about. First, I'm going to make a list and find a recipe and go do the shopping and get the ingredients. And then I'm going to get out the utensils, I need, whatever. Right. So I think we do it sort of on autopilot. But when when we're consciously creating something in this way, we don't have to concern ourselves with the how, which is wonderful news, because when we do, we often get all tangled up in the house. It seems impossible. And so we just quit. And so I love that he mentions this again. He says, the spiritual body on its return from the imagined state to its former physical state created an invisible bridge of incident to link the two states. So the two states he's talking about are one, when you're in that imaginal place and you're imagining whatever it is, that's the one state. The second state is just your normal everyday state. When you come back, he says you actually create a bridge between those two states. 
And I like that, by the way. I, I mean, I hate to interrupt because you just got started on on reading his stuff, but I want to contrast that with what others say. I'm going to pick one person who I really like a lot who says it a little bit differently, Dr. Joe Dispenza. When he's talking about this, he's talking about um, the difference between the, the, the true you and the fake you, the fake you being not a fake you, but the, the, the body you, the, the, the collection of experiences that keep replaying the tapes and so forth versus right. the true inner you that those are the two that he differentiates be from between. And he talks about how it takes a lot of attention to the inner you to kind of overwrite the outer you, the, the, the physical you, whereas this is talking about building a bridge. So it's a, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Dr. Dispenza's approach. Right, I mean, right. It's, just, it's, just, it's a metaphorical yeah. approach that suits what he teaches beautifully. But I like Neville's approach. It's a nice well, way of I looking at it. Well, I think they can both be true. You know, um, Joe Dispenza, I saw a little clip of him somewhere recently. That When I say little, I mean, it really was. It was like mm. one minute. Yeah. And I, I sent it to a client because we had had a discussion that was similar. And what he was saying in that clip, which is relevant here is he talked about our personality and he defined personality is what you think, what you feel and what you do. Right. Right. And I was like, I thought that was really awesome because it was so succinct and specific. Mm -hmm. And when I, I've never defined personality before. Right. Mm. I mean, so I was like, oh, well, that's pretty easy. It's what I think, what I feel, and what I do. That makes up my personality. He says your personality creates your personal reality. Right. And in order to change your personal reality, you have to change what you think, what you feel, and what you do. And I think that's what you're doing here. How do you change it? Well, it's changed for that moment that you're envisioning something different. Right? I mean, Absolutely. that's what Neville is talking about when you go to that place where you – Neville uses the word immobilize your body, which cracks me up, but, <laughs> but that's kind of what we do. If you ever went into yeah. a yoga class at the end, when everyone's in the or restorative yoga, or when everyone's in that Savasana pose, right? Corpse pose. They're just laying there <laughs> with their palms up, just immobilized. Yep. That's what we do when we meditate. Meditation. So yeah. When we're there and we're envisioning the vignette and Neville is telling us, make sure you're feeling it. You're seeing it, you're touching it, you're hearing it, you're really letting your, well, aren't we at that point changing our personality? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so we are. I think that Neville's idea and Joe Dispenza's idea here are interwoven or can be. So he says, although the curious feeling that you were actually there and that the state was real is gone as soon as you open your eyes upon the old familiar environment. Nevertheless, you are haunted with the sense of a double identity, with the knowledge that there is a natural body and a spiritual body. When you, the natural man, have had this experience, you will go automatically across the bridge of events, which leads to the physical realization of your invisibly prepared place. This concept that man is dual and that the inner man of imagination can dwell in future states and return to the present moment with a bridge of events to link the two clashes violently with the widely accepted view about the human personality and the cause and nature of phenomena. Such a concept demands a revolution in current ideas about the human personality. This is funny because I had no idea that Neville was going to talk about personality and we were right. just talking about Joe Dispenza's idea. Yep. Yep. He says, and about space, time, and matter, the concept that man, consciously or unconsciously, determines the conditions of life by imagining himself into these mental states leads to the conclusion that this supposedly solid world is a construction of mind, a concept which at first common sense rejects. However, we should remember that most of the concepts which common sense at first rejected man was afterward forced to accept. These never-ending reversals of judgment, which experience has forced upon man, led Professor Whitehead to write, heaven knows what seeming nonsense may not tomorrow be demonstrated true. <laughs> I like we, that. Talk, we talked about this last time, about how certain things that were thought to be ridiculous, now science has proven them or they're just common knowledge now. 
It's funny too how when that happens, it's it's a transition that is triggered by some event or some person or you know there, there's something that happens that makes people start to rethink it. Actually, it doesn't make them start to rethink it. They decide to start rethinking it because the new event or the new person or thought or whatever gave them a perspective they didn't have before, and that new perspective right. makes them think, well, geez. Maybe we really should be saying that Einstein was right all along instead of rejecting it or whatever, you know. Right. Newtonian physics has passed. We're moving <laughs> seriously. We're moving into, you know, a different uh, realm of belief. Well, it's an interesting thing about that. I, I, this also ties into the vacation, by the way, because yeah. one of the things that we did on our vacation is I got the chance to visit with my cousin, Becky, who I hadn't seen in many years and hadn't had a chance to ever really sit down and talk with her. She's a wonderful person. She, she's a total believer in law of attraction, very positive person. Um, and so it was really great to talk to her. But I also got a chance to talk to her husband, Ray. Now, they're both retired. Um, Ray was a he had a Ph.D. in chemistry and had a whole career in chemistry and crystals. And he was telling me all about uh, his, his crystals uh, explorations from a, a chemistry and, and physics point of view. But we were also talking about the sciences. And I, I gave him some clues that I was interested in LOA and he was giving me the usual scientific pushback and so forth. But nevertheless, he gave me some really interesting concepts to play with. Um, and I think I mentioned one of them yesterday, but I'll, I'll say that one again, but I'll also mention what made me think of it when you were talking here. Um, the first thing he told me is, and this kind of really goes against the grain, science is not about proof. Science is about gathering data. I was going to say, and discovery, yeah. And discovery, yeah. Whereas math is about proof. Yes. But so many scientists have kind of blurred the boundary and they want to try to prove things. Well, no, it's not about proof. So that, that to me is a useful thing to keep in mind. But right. the second thing that he pointed out, and I'm, I'm, I'm now drawing a little bit of blank about what you just said, so I'm trying to, to get over to what you said because it was really, really relevant. Um, you were just saying, what was it? I was just saying that Newtonian physics. Oh, Newtonian physics. Beyond that now with what we've learned from Einstein and what the quantum scientists are finding out now. And what uh, Ray was saying was Newtonian physics is wrong in the world of quantum physics, but it's very appropriate at slow speeds. Quantum physics is about what happens when everything gets really, really fast. Newtonian physics works great at really, really slow speeds. So actually it isn't completely outdated. It's just been, it's been modified to its true reign. It used well, to be like that we thought, that, that Newtonian physics was everything. Now we know, well, no, Newtonian physics doesn't cover everything. It covers very specific cases. And in those cases, it works brilliantly. Well, and it sounds like you're talking about, you know, there would be some um, relevance to vibration, right? Because Absolutely. you're talking about speeds. You're talking about slow speeds, very hyper fast speeds. And that's rate of vibration. Absolutely it now. is. So now, I wasn't going to say that to Ray because I didn't want to upset the apple cart too much. <laughs> but that's what exactly what I was thinking too. Like, oh, my God. Whenever we're talking about just dealing with the real world, that's slow speed stuff. So, of course, Newtonian I physics does apply. Well, who knew? <laughs> Seriously. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right. So, Neville, moving on, begins, he, he quotes um, some scriptures from the Christian Bible. He says, um, he says, the creative power in man sleeps and needs to be awakened. <laughs> <laughs> and then he quotes Ephesians, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. Wake from the sleep that tells you the outer world is the cause of the conditions of your life. Rise from the dead past and create a new environment. Then he quotes 1 Corinthians, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you? The spirit of God in you is your imagination. There's Neville defining his, uh, using his own decoder ring there, right? Yes, right, right. The spirit of God in you is your imagination, but it sleeps and needs to be awakened in order to lift you off the bar of the senses where you have so long lain stranded. Um. I think it's interesting because the background of the text I'm reading is a beach. And so I think he's talking about a sandbar here. <laughs> ah, yes. Been stranded on this bar of the senses, meaning that we often only believe what we see and not in our envisioning state, but in our normal waking state. Right. We need to see it to believe it. And of course, Neville's not going to agree with that we have to see something or touch something or hear something to believe it. Uh, to, to have it come into our physical reality. 
we can do that in the imagination, what he is talking about. That's the creative faculty. So he says the boundless possibilities open to you as you become wise as serpents is beyond measure. That's the name of the chapter, by the way, wise as serpents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You will select the ideal conditions you want to experience and the ideal environment you want to live in. Experiencing these states in imagination until they have sensory vividness, you will externalize them as surely as the serpent now externalizes its skin. After you have outgrown them, then you will cast them off as easily as the snake throws her enameled skin. The more abundant life, the whole purpose of creation cannot be saved through death and resurrection. God desired form, so he became man. Now, this is very Christian thinking here. Absolutely. But knowing Neville, remember, Neville's talking about God being imagination. Mm, <laughs> right? So if our imagination desired form, it would become something that had form. So he says it's not enough for us to recognize his spirit at work in creation. We must see his work in form and say that it is good, even though we outgrow the form forever and ever. And I don't know how that hits you, but for me, when I hear it, it kind of, it, it's really useful to me because I have a tendency to take a long time to make certain decisions <laughs> because I have to remind myself that every decision is just a choice. It's not a forever decision. Mm. You know, if I manifest something I decide I don't want, I can give it back. <laughs> that's true. I can change it. I can manifest something else. And I think that's what Neville is pointing to here when he talks about outgrowing it. Like he's like, yeah, you're going to manifest it. And just like the snake skin, you're going to outgrow that thing too. And then you'll cast it off and you'll create something different. Right. So I don't know if that's a problem for anyone else. But it's been a problem for me and that sometimes when I go to set out to consciously create something, I really overthink it too much. And I overthink all the possibilities of it. And, you know, I get I'm getting better and better at just saying, oh, I'm just going to create this. It, it's actually I don't very like it. I'll change it. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. It's a very relevant point and one that we easily overlook. The idea that these things, these big goals, these big uh, you know, things I'm trying to attract into my life. They don't have to be the last things I attract. In fact, I don't have to be limiting myself exclusively to attracting that. So often we do that. We think, well, okay, I, once I get the house and once I get the job, I'll be all set. I'll be done and everything will be great. <laughs> well, actually, no, you'll be dead if you give up at that point. You have to keep going for, for new stuff after that, for new experiences. You have to keep growing and growing and growing. That's what life is all about. So it's actually kind of self-limiting to say, that's all there is. <laughs> Well, and I like to think about that nature, nature, it's the nature of nature, if you will, to expand. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, you and your wife have run a, a, a landscaping business. So you understand that, right? You know, I mean, you plant certain things and they're going to expand. They do. Um, anybody that's ever had mint or something take over their garden understands this. So it's, it's the nature of nature to keep expanding. And we're part of nature. Like we are always going to have something else that we desire like there's nothing wrong with that mm -hmm. um and when we think about creating something and we stop ourselves because i've been talking about this with clients a lot lately because our logical mind comes in like our intuition what neville talks about that creative faculty wants to create something has a desire and then suddenly there's all this logic coming in about why that's not a good idea, what mm. could go wrong, all Absolutely. the reasons why. And remember that that lizard brain or what I like to call the squirrel brain is the very primal part of our brain hates change. Mm -hmm. Because why? Because it, it doesn't like uncertainty. It doesn't like to feel not safe. It doesn't like to go into, you know, territory that we don't understand yet. But it does know that it has survived yesterday. Exactly. And the crappy job, the bad marriage, you know, all the things <laughs> that survived yesterday, it still survived them. So it's like, we can hang here for a little while. Don't change things. You don't need to create something better. And it can, that logical part of our mind, that primal brain can tap into that left brain logic. And boy, oh boy, are some of us good at coming up with fantastic excuses. Why not to uh, allow ourselves right? We're talking about allowing to have whatever it is. No and kidding. 
it's we're so good at it and that's one of the things i help clients do is recognize that that it's just a shadow it's a it's that survival archetype that it it operates there in that place where all it cares about is surviving and so it's really hard to consciously create when we get stuck in those logic loops well plus that's what we did you and i when we started doing this series about neville goddard because and and this book was one of those the subjects of that (laughs) little concern like well we're neither one of us are christians and we were really concerned about all those biblical verses and right we can handle all that so we do what we thought were the easier ones now here's the really ironic thing we're now doing seed time and harvest and it doesn't seem like there are all that many biblical verses it's kind of funny really what happened the thing thing is is about both of us have a, a, a pretty large experience in that area right and and i can only speak for myself but i mean i i taught for like 18 years and so i have a lot of you know knowledge of this whole of the whole area and i just didn't want to go go there right. <laughs> because it's not my area um it was an area of expertise and and i left it so it's like yeah i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to go but, here but you're right we talked about what if this and what if that and now we're here and you know like you said and it's always like that right we leave our comfort zone and we go oh what was i worried about this exactly. is not that bad this it, is it, actually it, wonderful <laughs> like i'm discovering new things why did i stay over there in that comfort zone that was so uncomfortable for what was i seeing what was i seeing cuz cuz when we looked at this before both of us had the same reaction oh my god it's packed full yeah, of like, biblical no, verses no, no. and it's not <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, speaking of, we're we're gonna read a couple of them now, and then we'll. We keep will. Going. Yes. First is a poem. I don't know where it's from. He doesn't give attribution. He leads through widening chambers of delight to where throbs rapture near an end that I recedes because his touch is infinite and lends a yonder to all ends. I'm not sure where the attribution is. But no, then it he quotes. Like crust, but I don't then know. he quotes from John. Oh, do you have attribution in your text? I do not. No, I'm just speculating. Okay. Um. Then he quotes from John uh, out of the Christian Bible. He says, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Then this is Neville speaking. He says, if I be lifted up from the evidence of the senses to the state of consciousness, I desire to realize and remain in that state until it feels natural. I will form that state around me and all men will see it. But how to persuade man this is true that imaginative life is the only living, that assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled is the way to the more abundant life and not the compensation of the escapist, that is the problem. Now, this is a really interesting paragraph here where he says, I like this phrase, um, the compensation of the escapist. Yes, good one. Uh, I had an experience one time where when I was first teaching this stuff, it was about... I don't know, a dozen years ago. And I was talking about the idea of, uh, I didn't, I wasn't using terms like vignette, but I was talking about when you go into a meditative state and you are envisioning what you want to create, allow yourself to feel the pleasure of it. Allow yourself to really get into how wonderful that thing is and do it for that reason alone. Just get aligned for alignment's sake. Just do it because it's enjoyable. And the person I was talking to um, who was wanting to create more abundance, more money, richer lifestyle, more, you know, um, ease, said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to enjoy it just because it's enjoyable to think about it. I want the real thing. I, I want the manifestation. And I said, I kept trying to explain, but see, you're so attached to an outcome. Like if you'll just allow yourself to enjoy envisioning Mm -hmm. this just because it's enjoyable. No, no. And this is why this right here, because they could not be convinced that this was actually going to create something and that it wasn't just the compensation of the escapist, right? They were saying, no, I don't want to just be happy thinking about it. I want to be happy because I have it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I think that's what Neville's getting out here. Um, how to persuade man that imaginative life is the only living and that assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled is the way. Yeah. And I realized that they did not want to enjoy this. They did not want to let this 
they didn't want to allow this to feel good mm. mm-hmm. because they were worried that if they were satisfied with feeling good in this envisioning that the thing would never happen because it was like they would be saying, well, this is enough. This yes. is good. Yes. So they prevented themselves from being willing to even undertake the process. Which is ironic because the fact is, it is a form of manifestation. I mean, if if you are starting off with, okay, I'm just going to go for a feeling, so I'm going to focus on a better feeling and you get more better feeling thoughts, you just manifested. It's just that they right. want physical things. Right. You know? so, so, so if the so, first part is I'm so distressed because I don't have enough money and this is really hard and it is hard right? when you sure. don't have enough money. And so... If the thought is, this feels terrible, I'm worried all the time, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, I hate this, and the envisioning, it, if only for 10 minutes, it's like, I was completely free of worrying, I was free of, you know, of all of those catastrophic thinking, but I don't want to do that, because <laughs> that's only 10 minutes, and that's not the real thing. It's funny how our different perspectives affect us in a big, big way, because my perspective very early on was I really didn't have a whole lot of confidence in my ability to attract anything, you know? So I figured, well, attracting a better feeling, I can handle that one. So I'll, right. I'll do that one. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if the rest of it can work, but I, I know I can make that one work. So I'll do that one. <laughs> well, and it's like, you know, okay, so I feel better for 10 minutes. Hey, it's 10 minutes that I felt That's better. right. Yeah. But I still, I think there was this idea that like, if I accept that, then maybe the the real thing will never come along because I'm just like, I'm, I'm giving in, you know, I'm accepting, I'm settling. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm settling for just meditating for 10 minutes and I don't want to do that. So it was very interesting when I read this, you know, the, the compensation of the escapist, I thought, okay, that's what that was about. So Neville says to see as the widening chambers of delight. So he's quoting from that poem we read a minute ago. Right. What living in the realms of imagination means to appreciate and enjoy the world, one must live imaginatively. One must dream and occupy his dream and then grow and outgrow the dream forever and ever. That's an interesting phrase there, outgrow the dream. That's Mm -hmm. what we were talking about earlier, right? right? Yeah. Okay, I got this thing I wanted. Now what? Well, I just outgrew the dream. What's next? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it's cool because this is something Louis D'Souza really expresses nicely. When, when you achieve, you know, having a, uh, you know, manifested this amazing thing, like he, he has manifested going from Coke bottle glasses to the thinnest lenses that are about to go away. Ooh, he, he has yes. really shifted. His, I mean, it's a major, major shift. Yes. And I ask him what, it's, what it feels like. And his answer is it feels normal. It feels normal. And that's yes. the key. It feels normal. Yes. <laughs> he made it feel normal, so it became his norm. That is Neville in a nutshell. Yeah. Right? Right? He said it so many times, even in this one chapter. So here's what's interesting. We're talking about Occupy the Dream. By the way, I, I also have to clarify something because I want to make sure, just in case Louie listens, Louie is a big Abraham Hicks fan. He's, Abraham Hicks is the only one who's interested. he's interested in. So I'm not saying that he's he's justifying Neville here because he supports Neville. I want to make sure I make that part clear, but he is justifying Neville. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neville here talking about to appreciate and enjoy the world because you're living it imaginatively, occupying the dream, having the dream and occupying it and then outgrowing it. The next paragraph, maybe what we were just talking about the unimaginative man. So this Mm. is the person that Neville is not doing the Neville stuff at all. He's not consciously creating his life at all. He says the unimaginative man who will not lose his life on one level that he may find it on a higher level. And that that's it is nothing but a lot's wife, a pillar of self-satisfied salt. (laughs) On the other hand, those who refuse form as being unspiritual and who reject incarnation as separate from God are ignorant of the great mystery. Great is the mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. And by the way, that phrase, going back to that phrase that you read there, we we talked earlier about how I was contrasting Dispenza and Goddard. That's right right out of Dispenza. He talks about leaving yourself behind and developing a new surf. That's exactly what Neville just said. Well, and what I see, I see some of that in this idea 
um, using the example of the person that I spoke to that was so miserable in their life, Mm -hmm. but they weren't even willing for 10 minutes to lose that misery Mm -hmm. and enjoy a 10 minute visualization where they felt free of all of that stress. Mm -hmm. See, it says the unimagined man who will not lose his life on one level that he may find it on a higher level. Like they weren't even willing to lose that stress for 10 minutes. Um, I thought, I'm sympathetic I to them. <laughs> I really yeah. am. I mean, I feel I feel bad for them in one sense. On the other hand, I'm also recognizing though, and, I, and you could probably fill in that part of the story. But I, I mean, when you have that kind of really high level of resistance, at some point it creates a crisis. And yeah. if you're somebody who is really trying to grow, you'll grow through that crisis, even if you do it the hard way. And when you yeah. come, even when you come through it the hard way, that's when you get the biggest springboards. So. True. You know, so that could actually, I don't know what happened with that particular client, but that could actually have turned into this major springboard where he or she finally broke through and said, okay, I'll give it a try. Boom. They bounced out like, whoa, what just yeah. happened? It wasn't a client. It was somebody that I knew. And, and that was, uh, I, I had wished that I would have been able to, to uh, coach yeah. them. But, you know, I don't right. coach people clandestinely. I don't right. coach people without them knowing it. They have to ask for You're a very it. ethical person, I have to say. <laughs> But yeah, so what you're talking about, we, we have a name for that. It's like the slingshot effect. It's like mm. the thing that has held you back so strongly for so long. At some point, it's going to be the thing that zooms you forward. Right? Yep. So, mm-hmm. so right. I mean, it all it all works out. Um, so Neville says your life expresses one thing and one thing only your state of consciousness. Everything is dependent upon that. As you, through the medium of imagination, assume a state of consciousness, that state begins to clothe itself in form. It solidifies around you as the serpent's skin ossifies around it. But you must be faithful to the state. You must not go from state to state, but rather wait patiently in the one invisible state until it takes on form and becomes an objective fact. Patience is necessary, but patience will be easy after your first success in shedding the old and growing the new, for we're able to wait according as we've been rewarded by understanding in the past. Understanding is the secret of patience. Um, I I had a conversation with a client recently um, about this very thing, and it was that I, I think I said, you know, the situation this client was in, I said, you've been telling this story and in this situation for more than a decade. Yes. Yes. And so it's, I can tell you right now, working with me for 12 weeks, it's not going to immediately change as soon as you start doing this work. It's like muscle memory. And I use this example that just came to me. But I said, I put a new granite countertop in my kitchen. The granite countertop sticks out one sixteenth of an inch more than the old tile countertop used to stick out. (laughs) That's not very much, is it? No. But for the first six months I had it, every time I unloaded the dishwasher, I hit a glass on the edge of it. Oh, man. And it was blowing my mind that it was 16th of an inch and that my muscle memory, like how many times have I unloaded dishes where I just missed the tile countertop by a millimeter and didn't know, right? Right. And didn't know it. And now that it was sticking out, I was, I was just hitting it all the time Mm -hmm. until one day I started moving my hand a little bit differently. consciously right recognizing i have to take this out a little bit differently and until that became the muscle memory and now i never hit it and so it's like that with these kind of things when we're changing who we are when we're changing our story we you know we don't usually just change our story and six weeks later our entire life has changed when we've had that story going on for a decade or 20 years or 30 years it's so, funny that you tell that story because it reminds me of a dishwasher experience that I had <laughs> and still experience uh, because in our home, uh, the dishwasher door where, where it opens is in a sense, it's 
between me and where we store our plasticware for putting stuff in the refrigerator. Right. And if I, that's not the way it was in our previous home. So when we first got here, I had a tendency, if the dishwasher door was down, to bang my shin against the, dis the dishwasher door that when it was down, trying to get over to the plastics. <laughs> and, and you don't do that too many times before you, you really want to make a change. So now I've actually learned how to swing my leg out for my first step subconsciously. I don't even think about it anymore just so that I, I miss that. That's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about that our brain, <laughs> the neural connections in our brain, that have to do with how we think and how we feel and how we act that we get grooves you know mm -hmm. we get connections that are wired together and it's like that muscle memory that had me hitting the counter every time right it takes some time um and this is what neville's talking about here wait patiently <laughs> know that it's going to happen we have to have patience Neville says what natural joy and spontaneous delight lie in seeing the world, not with, but as Blake says, through the eye. Imagine that you are seeing what you want to see and remain faithful to your vision. Your imagination will make for itself a corresponding form in which to live. All things are made by imagination's power. Nothing begins except in the imagination of man from within out is the law of the universe as within so without <laughs> man turns outward in his search for truth but the essential thing is to look within so he doesn't give attribution here as within so without but he's quoting from the emerald tablet that's uh hermes trismegistus there um central truth that most magicians know as within so without as above so below then he quotes browning from Paracelsus, truth is within ourselves. It takes no rise from outward things, whatever you may believe. There is an inmost center in us all where truth abides in fullness and to know, rather consist in opening out a way whence the imprisoned splendor may escape than in effecting entry for a light supposed to be without. He says, I think you'll be interested in an instance of how a young woman shed the skin of resentment and put on a far different kind of skin. The parents of this woman had separated when she was six years old and she had lived with her mother. She rarely saw her father, but once a year he sent her a $5 check for Christmas. And we have to remind our listeners that this was written decades ago. When <laughs> $5 was actually worth something. Right. <laughs> Following her marriage, he did increase the Christmas gift to $10. After one of my lectures, she was dwelling on my statement that man's suspicion of another is only a measure of his own deceitfulness. And she recognized that she had been harboring resentment towards her father for years. That night, she resolved to let go her resentment and put a fond reaction in its place. She did it over and over until she caught the spirit of her imaginary act. And then she fell asleep in a very contented mood. The following day, she happened to pass through the fur department of one of our large stores in California. For some time, she had been toying with the idea of having a new fur scarf, but she felt she could not afford it. This time, her eye was caught by a stone marten scarf, and she picked it up and tried it on. After feeling it and seeing herself in it, reluctantly, she took off the scarf and returned it to the salesman, telling herself that she really could not afford it. <laughs> As she was leaving the department, she stopped and thought, Neville tells we can have whatever we desire if we will only capture the feeling of already having it. In her imagination, she put the scarf back on, felt the reality of it, and went about her shopping, all the while enjoying the imagined wearing of it. This young woman never associated these two imaginary acts. In fact, she had almost forgotten what she had done until a few weeks later, on Mother's Day, the doorbell rang unexpectedly. There was her father. As she embraced him, she remembered her first imaginary action. And as she opened the package he had brought her, the first gift in these many years, she remembered the second imaginary action, for the box contained a beautiful stone marten scarf. Wow. And then he quotes Psalms, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. And Matthew, be ye therefore wise as serpents 
and harmless as doves. I love Neville's stories. I think we all do, particularly because they're <laughs> so good at bringing the person not kind of what they wanted, not close to what they wanted, but exactly what they wanted. Right. And, and it always is surrounding a situation where the person decided to change their behavior, to change their perspective. To they decided to say, you know, maybe this Neville character really does know what he's talking about. So I'm going to try this thing, even though deep down I have this feeling it really is a bunch of baloney and it's not going to work. <laughs> but I'm going to try it anyway, and I'll do it really well and, and as thoroughly as I know how to do. And then they get what they're looking for. Well, you know, because I've, I've talked about it a lot on our podcast, but one of the things, one of the methods, I guess you would say, um, that Neville has presented that I love so much is the one that has to do with recreating a memory, mm -hmm. um, especially when it involves another person with recreating yes. a conversation. Um, it, and it's like revising history a little bit there, um, which I'm not always uh, <laughs> in favor of when it happens in the real world, but when it's an emotional charge with something that we have so often it has to do with, you know, some interaction we've had with another person like this woman who said she'd been carrying around this resentment towards her father for years and years and finally decided to just let it go and imagined having different feelings towards him. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I, I practice this with myself uh, on occasion and I instruct, you know, students and clients to do it. And that is when you have an emotional charge from some conversation you've had or some interaction to And the only to me, I say that the goal isn't having some outcome like this. The goal is just doing it. If you've done the work, then you've met the goal. So the goal is that you reimagine that conversation differently as if you had said, you know, we've all walked away from a conversation. We're upset at what the other person said. And we may be upset at what we said. It's like, oh, um. it's like, I wish I would have said something differently. And so go back and imagine it the way the ideal way, the way you wish it would have happened. Hear the other person saying what your heart would have loved to hear them say. Hear yourself saying something kind, something you would have wished you could have said. Imagine the conversation in a more beautiful way um, for the sole sake of feeling better, letting go of that emotional charge, not feeling so angry or frustrated or resentful. And then, then the magic happens. Yeah, that's true. And it, it's funny as you're describing that, I'm reminded of there's at least two books, I think, where Neville talks about what he calls the pruning shears of revision. Yes, and, yes. And you, you just described that beautifully. Right. Um, although I have a question for you because um, you kind of surprised me. I'm really curious to know what the background on this is. You said you're perfectly fine and in favor of doing it emotionally, but in the real world, you have questions about that. And I'm curious, what, what, what do you Well, I use the term that? revisionist history. I'm not a fan of of actual people rewriting history, such as in textbooks that say something different than what actually happened. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that, so, well you're right. But that, that is the problem. It, it's both the problem and solution all wrapped up in one because literally, I mean, how many people have pointed out that the word history is two words, his story. Good. And in fact, that's what history is. History is a story told by the historian and you can get different stories told yeah. by different historians that actually contradict each other. Well, and what we all, we also, we all, all, often here, tongue twisted, um, what we often hear is history is written by the victors. Right? Often true. You know, when I talk about, when I, when I found myself saying the words revisionist history, I was like, well, I, that's not exactly what I mean, but it is what I mean in this instance. And that is allow yourself, what we've been talking about most of this podcast, to allow yourself to feel better and to use this imagination because when you worry or fret over something, you are binding yourself to it in consciousness. I think you're and, putting your finger on it right there. The fact is that it's, revising history is fine. The, the real question isn't whether it's right or wrong to revise history. The real question is, how does revising history help or harm you? What does it do with your life? What does it do with your perspective? If, if revising history is going to make your life miserable, what the heck are you doing it for? You, you need a different topic there. But if right. revising history is going to help you, if it's going to get you into a better place, then go for it. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's your history. It doesn't matter. Right. And it's your history is the thing. And we are talking about your memory of the conversation or the incident. We're talking about your emotional charge that you have around it. Because this happens a lot, right? Somebody 
is offended or upset about something and they replay that conversation and that incident oh, yeah. in their head over and over. They tell their friends about it. They talk about it. They say, this <laughs> happened. He said this to me. She said this to me. He did this to me. We say it over and over and over and over. All we're doing is just pumping up that emotional charge and we're binding ourselves to that situation in consciousness. So when we can just reframe it in a different way, tell it in a different way for the sole purpose of letting go of that emotional charge, then we won't be bound to that incident anymore in consciousness and things will change. Which is one of the things we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode. We were talking <laughs> about how, you know, we get into these things where we say, okay, I'm going to make some change. And then we go right into all the ways we're not going to change it and why we can't change it and why right. it never, ever change. And then we stick to that for like 10 minutes and say, yeah, but I really am committed to change. <laughs> <laughs> we are funny people. We are. I'm glad that you brought that up. The pruning shears of revision. Yes. That's well, exactly it, what, what we're doing when we do it, that. It's, we're it's revising. A our experience. It's a wonderful concept. And I'll be the first one to admit it threw me for a loop the first time I heard it because I was thinking to myself, well, I can't change my past. <laughs> it, it was almost like there was something wrong with that. You know, it, uh, like sacrilegious changing my past, pretending that it didn't happen the way it did, but it did happen the way it did. And I got <laughs> hurt and all this terrible stuff out. It did happen. It did happen. It did happen. You know, it, <laughs> we really hang on to these things. We do. Yes, we do. And, you know, the other thing is like we talked earlier about deciding to create something and then that logical brain like partners up with the primal brain and starts giving us really great excuses. Why not? That can happen with this as well, because the person will say, well, well, that person's not going to change. Yes. Yeah. Right. Isn't that an interesting point right there? So often when we look at, I, I think that's where my own resistance came from. So often when we look at this idea of revising our history, other people are involved in our history. Right. They're part of our story. Yeah. So we feel like, well, if I change the story, I'm trying to change them. And boy, is that a hard task? You know, we get caught up right. in that stuff. And so that's why I always say, you know, I have a, a process that I teach clients for communication. It's not a... a a magical conscious, you know, creation thing. It's just a communication process. Mm -hmm. And, but what I always tell people once they've learned it is that using it is the goal. If you mm. use this process, you've succeeded. Yeah. It's not if you use the process and then that person didn't respond to the way you wanted them to. And so you say it didn't work. No, it, it, if you used it, then that's the goal. That's a and, great point. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this as well. It's when we go back and we, we rethink a conversation the way we wish it would have happened. Good. Then you did it. You feel better. Does it feel better to think of it that way? Does it feel better to imagine that person saying something kind to you and loving than saying something, you know, mean and unkind? Then it worked. Then it did it. You did it. You did the process. And then the icing on the cake or cake or what we call here in Louisiana, lanyard means a little extra. <laughs> the lanyard is when things actually change in the real physical world. Sure. And that person calls and is kind to you, right? That's when that's that's just the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. It's not why we do it. We do it because it feels better. Well, we mentioned Dr. Joe Dispenza earlier in the podcast, and I think the reason I brought him up is because on the plane down and on the plane back, I was reading his book "You Are the Placebo" because I hadn't actually read it cover to cover, and so uh -huh. I got about I got about two thirds of the way through it, and in that book. He, he describes, in fact, he's also described this in videos that I've seen on YouTube. He describes how, you know, somebody who does the meditative process that he advocates in his workshops and classes and in his books and so forth and does it from a place of they have cancer or eczema or some dread disease or some condition that's been bothering him for years. And then all of a sudden they're healed of it, which blows his mind. He can't believe it. I mean, he's standing there doing this thing and, and people stand up and say, I just cured my cancer. Like, really? Wow. You know, it, it's yeah. kind of mind bending to, to experience that. But as he points out, all they're really doing is learning how to get into that really high volume, high vibration place. And once you're there, why would you ever want to leave it? So, you know, you're presented with the opportunity of, of, uh, you know, going back and, and reliving that old history. Why would I want to do that? I, then I'll fall back down out of this thing that I'm in right now that I really, right. really like. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> so I think that's where a lot of the perspective really comes into it. If you recognize that pruning shears of revision is really about getting yourself into that high flying place and not leaving it. Well, that, it's an entirely different kettle of fish at that point. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Radical responsibility for your own, your own personality. Exactly. exactly. How you think, how you feel, and how you act.
Speaking of radical responsibility, I want to radically be responsible for reminding people how to reach out to Cindy Chavez, the life coach, and please tell people how to do that. They can reach me at CindyChavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. There's a contact form there. I would love for you to give me a shout and say hello. And we love it when you do that because especially <laughs> if you have something nice to say, we bring it up on the show. So yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a incentive there. You know? <laughs> Cindy, thank you so much. So good to be doing Neville again after a ten week delay. Good to be back. Good stuff, and uh, we got a couple chapters left, so more stuff to look forward to. We may even get it done in February. Who knows? We might do it. Might do it. <laughs> so, meantime, thank you very much uh, for all of your insights and expertise. We really appreciate that. Thank you, live streamers. Sorry we couldn't interact with you. I promise I'm going to get that fixed so that I can actually see while we're doing the podcast what you guys <laughs> are saying. But in the meantime, we really appreciate you, and we especially appreciate all of our more than 500 per episode listeners that we're getting every single time. We really appreciate every one of you as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone.